Welcome to Lesson Impossible, an exploration of educational innovation. I'm your host, Aviva Levin. As always, I'm chatting with educators of all types who are on the forefront of pedagogy or making effective changes to old practices. Your lesson, should you choose to accept it, is to make the classroom a community where students feel welcomed, supported, and challenged. The special agent assigned to help you with this task is Lauren Connaughton of Tequila Elementary School in Washington State. Lauren's name came up when I was talking with Mary Furtakis, former teacher and administrator who is now a consultant. We were discussing Washington State's new legislation that included social-emotional learning as one of its main components. Mary believed that what Lauren was doing in her classroom perfectly embodied the intentions of this new legislation. I was thrilled to be able to interview Lauren at the end of her third year of full-time teaching. She was kind enough to take a break from packing up her fifth-grade classroom on a cloudy day in June. We began by talking about her path to teaching. Teaching has always been kind of in my head as something I wanted to do, even when I was little. Um, I'm not sure I really knew why when I was little, but it was something was always, I don't know, you know, kids change their minds like every 10 minutes about what they want to be. Yeah. <laughs> and teaching was something that I kind of like would come back to a lot. Um, and it kind of became a consistent by the time I got to high school, I, I knew I wanted to teach. Um, and I think it was kind of toward the end of high school and during college when I kind of realized why I really wanted to teach. Um, I was kind of naturally drawn to leadership positions where I was like working with younger people or kind of managing people in some way, in some kind of similar way. Um, and I kind of had this realization at some point that teaching as, as I became more politically aware as a person, too, that teaching was kind of the best way to make positive changes in society in a more grassroots way rather than a reactive, like, oh, God, this horrible thing is happening and now we have to, like, put a Band-Aid on it and fix it, kind of a more preventative, like, okay, like, yes, people need to do that. Like, you need to react to situations and fix them. But as a teacher, I can, you know... I can bring up situations with kids and have them be brainstorming already solutions to um, problems, things that I think they're going to need to deal with in their lifetime, um, kind of bring up certain situations to them, try to evoke that empathy and hope that when they grow up, they can kind of use, they're kind of thinking about these things already. So the reason that I'm here today is because I've heard that you're doing really amazing things regarding social emotional learning in your classroom and really worked on creating a classroom community. And I was hoping you could speak to that a little bit. So I think like in terms of my successes creating a classroom community, it's definitely been a roller coaster over the past three years. My first year, I think like most first year teachers was an utter failure. I mean, <laughs> it was a disastrous and I think that's normal. Um, and I think sometimes we feel like we're not allowed to have terrible first years, but we are. <laughs> and it, it was like, I learned a lot about community that year, just in terms of like, okay, these are all the things that I'm never going to do again. And um, do you mind saying what some of those would be? There's not one specific thing because I think it really depends on the kid. 
I'm not somebody who believes that every kid needs to be treated exactly the same. I think all kids are different. They come to the classroom with different skills, with different beliefs about the world, um, with different ways of interacting with other kids, and it's not necessarily going to be effective to use the same strategy with every single kid. Um, so I think I'm I'm much more thoughtful now in the sense that like I think I think about the situation a lot more now before I deal with it with the student rather than trying to react and fix the problem immediately because usually even the kid can't fix the problem immediately usually they need time to calm down too with those lessons learned what does community look like in your classroom now So the past two years, community has been a big focus for me. Like after that disaster of a first year, I was like, okay, like something needs to change. Um, So last year in particular, I think just like almost having been traumatized by my (laughs) first year of teaching, you know, I was like, oh my God, I need to do everything I can. And I did. And I did a, I think I did a really good job last year of creating that sense of community in my classroom and a few of the ways that I do that. I start every morning with a circle. Um, We call it a peace circle. It's not my idea. It's not my, just my practice. This is a well-researched piece of restorative justice. And peace circle in my classroom looks like every morning we get together with the kids. I kind of tell them anything they need to know about the day. If anything's different about that day, I'll also have like a message on the board that they're reading during breakfast about their day. I'll kind of go over that with them. Just interject. So the school provides breakfast for students? Yes. And so I'll kind of go over that. Um, All the kids greet each other. So they pass handshakes around the circle and everyone's quiet during that time. And you say good morning and you have to say their name and you have to shake their hand and you have to look them in the eye and say, you know, good morning, Aviva. And they have to say good morning, Lauren. Um, And that gets passed around the circle. We have some kind of either one or two questions of the day. Sometimes they're fun. Sometimes it's like, you know, would you rather live underwater or up in space and why? (laughs) And, you know, toward the beginning of the year, it's really easy questions like, you know, tell us what you're excited about for fifth grade or, you know, tell us something amazing you did over the summer. On Mondays, I always let the kids share about their weekends because they want to. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it looks like just fun questions, kids getting to know each other, figuring out things that they have in common. Other times it's more character building, like what does it mean to be empathetic? How can you show empathy to someone today? You know, or and like I'll kind of like base it kind of on what I'm seeing and hearing in the room sometimes too. Like if I think a problem might be about to start, I'll bring up something that day during Peace Circle and I never call anyone out, but I'll just say like, hey, like, you know, what do you think of the word respect? What does that really mean? What does it really look like? And they all get a chance to share. So when we ask the question of what we call a talking piece gets passed around the circle. And when you get the talking piece, you may share or you may choose to pass it on. Um, So kind of eliminates that raising the hand, same four kids raise their hand every time. And sometimes it looks more like goal setting. Sometimes I'll ask them to set goals for the day or for the week. Sometimes it's reflecting. I'll ask them to reflect on their week, reflect on their day, reflect on a particular activity. And sometimes it's, you know what, we have a big problem that we need to solve. And that I was able to do a lot more with last year, I think, than this year. But 
kind of the way that I would handle like a whole class problem is by, you know, kind of talking to them. Like the first question might be, you know, how do you feel when somebody calls you a name? And then the second question might be like, okay, now we know that all of us don't feel very good when that happens, you know, but somehow it seems to happen anyways. When do those things happen? When do people start name calling? And then they kind of go around and they figure out like, oh, usually it's if there's an argument going on or, you know, if somebody loses a game that they wanted to win at recess or something like that. So they find the pattern and then we might come up with alternatives. Okay. When I'm really frustrated and I want to call somebody a name, what could I do instead that would be healthy, safe and safe for everybody? Like emotionally safe and physically safe. And then they go around and they come up with alternatives. And we usually would chart those alternatives. I would write down their ideas as a class. Or I would write down, I would come up with some kind of chart that like kind of summarized our meeting. And then I would say like, okay, like this all came from you. You know, can we agree as a class that next time we're feeling frustrated and like we're going to call somebody a name, can we agree that we're going to use one of these alternatives instead? And they have to pass the talking piece around and they have to say that they agree or if they disagree, that's fine, but they have to tell us what they would like to change mm. or what they, what they see wrong with what we've said. And I've had a lot of success with that. Of course, it's not perfect. No method's perfect, and sometimes things still happen. And especially when you have those one or two kids in your classroom that just really have a hard time with social skills, it still happens. <laughs> um, but... I've found that it works really well, especially for that like middle group of kids, you know, that middle group of kids that can be so amazing in class, but can also be involved in difficult situations with their peers. So that's, so that's kind of my, and then at the end of peace circle, we do our shield of positivity, which is hanging up on my wall. Um, something we come up with at the beginning of the year so um, just to read it out, it says, I am kind, I am helpful, I am strong, I work hard, I am supported, I am loved, I am important. Yes, so they have to repeat after me all of those phrases, and we talk about at the beginning of the year, and it's something I'm hoping to be more consistent about as years come to, because sometimes I... I don't know. Consistency is hard sometimes, yeah. but it's something we talk about at the beginning of the year. Like when you're feeling down about yourself and when you feel, you know, no matter what it is that's causing you to just be feeling really upset and feeling like you are not the amazing person that you are. Mm -hmm. So we talk about like, what are things you can think about yourself, positive things that you can think about yourself to make yourself feel better. And we, t and I talk about how, you know, even when we make mistakes, even when there are moments when we're not kind, that doesn't mean that we're unkind people just overall. How I believe all of those things about all of them, even when they make mistakes, that I still believe those things about them. And, you know, we talk about like, even when you don't feel supported, I like, I will support you. And even when you don't feel loved, like you have a lot of adults here that do love you and no matter what, you are always important. And so they kind of repeat that every day. And it's kind of nice to have at the beginning of the day like that, you know. And then after the shield, we do either a mindfulness activity. Could be like a deep breathing activity. I have all sorts of different activities, some stretching activities that just kind of like, that are like meant to calm and like focus for the day. Or we might play a game. 
usually we play games on Fridays. Nice. So the Peace Circle has definitely been a really big tool for me in terms of creating community because it's where I do a lot of my a lot of teaching about social skills. And I was definitely better at it last year. I think this year has been harder for me in some ways. But I do think that when used well and when you're really consistent, I mean, I do Peace Circle every day this year too, but when you can be, or for me, when I can be really consistent about it and really on top of it and like plan really well for it, that it works really well. I mean, much like anything else, but, um, that I did, especially last year, I saw kids developing leadership skills. Um, cause we talked about leadership. I saw kids helping each other. I saw kids showing empathy to each other. Um, I would get letters from my kids about how much they loved the peace circle and how awesome they thought it was. And, um, And I always phrase it to them too. I tell them at the beginning of the year, you know, this is my way of treating you like adults. You know, like you're not kindergartners anymore, though you can do peace circle with (laughs) kindergartners. It just looks a little bit different, obviously. But but that's what I tell my fifth graders. They say, you know, this is my way of treating you like the big kids that you are. You know, you're young adults now, and and when you do something wrong, I'd like to solve it in a way where we're having a discussion about it rather than me, you know, wagging my finger at you kind of thing. And, and that's hard too, because there are moments when in the moment you're like, oh, I just want to yell at you, yeah. you know, <laughs> and I've definitely made mistakes with that, you know, and it's definitely a learning process for me as well as for them. But I do like the practice, even though I've made mistakes and sometimes I've had a hard time being consistent with it, I do think that I've seen enough success from it and then I've done enough research about it that I will continue the practice and try to adapt it each year so that it can be what I think it can be. So having done something similar but in a high school context Mm -hmm. is that the students really like it. People, I think adults have this expectation that students are going to see it as hokey, but they really want to buy into something and they want community. That's something that they crave. Now, in in my experience, I had a lot of pushback on doing those types of activities because the traditional idea of education is you're spending all this time in the peace circle where they could be learning math or how to read and how to write. And so I'm curious what your response to that has been. So here, I have not had anybody come to me and tell me that I shouldn't be doing that. My administrators here have been very supportive of what I do in my classroom. And no, yeah, I haven't had anybody like look at me and be like, that's a bad idea. You should be doing math at that time. You should be doing reading at that time. You know, sometimes scheduling things come up and I just tell people, you know what, this is something I'm not willing to sacrifice. Like I, I want my morning meeting in the morning and I've never had anybody react negatively to that. Um, where I do sometimes get negative reactions is when somebody starts saying that peace circles should be done in other classrooms. So so that's kind of where I usually get pushback. It's not about what I do in my classroom. Everybody's fine with that. But when it comes to like, hey, like we see this practice working well, at least somewhat, at least, you know, somewhat well in this classroom, why don't we think about how we could apply that in other situations? That's when I get pushback. Mm-hmm. 
it's hard. Everyone has a different style of teaching. And, you know, I can see how this particular model might not work for some people in their, in their teaching style. It's hard as a, as a young and relatively new teacher to push back on people. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's not easy to, to get into that argument with people like, no, this really is good. And I don't, and I do think there are a lot of teachers here that do an amazing job that aren't doing that. Lauren and I went on to have a really great conversation about ways that young teachers need support and ways in which older and more experienced colleagues and the system as a whole can support them. Unfortunately, it didn't really fit into the flow of our general conversation, so I've decided to release it as a bonus episode next week. I also want to apologize for the random thumps that you hear in the background. That's my puppy, Shelby, who came along with me to do this interview, getting a little bit excited as we're talking, and the thump is her tail. If Um. there was a young teacher out there that wanted to start doing this and needed to be able to say, okay, there's merit to this, there's obviously some academic Mm -hmm. Work out there supporting it, yeah. but what would be your kind of elevator pitch of why this helps academic success? Kids need to feel safe to be academically successful. Both they need to feel physically safe. They need to feel. They also need to feel emotionally safe. They need to feel like they um, are comfortable in their classroom if they're going to do the best learning that they can. Peace Circle also usually does not take very long. Most 90% of the time, it won't take more than 15, maybe 20 minutes. When you get into those heavy problem-solving piece circles, are they going to take longer? Yeah, but for how often you really do them, it almost doesn't matter Yeah, um, because those just don't come as often. So like it because it helps the kids get to know each other. And I think sometimes with, you know, cur- with current curriculum expectations and standardized testing expectations and all of that, we kind of just like end up putting blinders on sometimes and we're like, oh my God, I gotta get through this test. Like I gotta get them all the information they need. And like we skip over some of those things that we know from our training that we're supposed to do at the beginning of the year, but we get so overwhelmed with all the expectations that we skip over some of them or we don't do them at all or, and that kind of stuff. And if you implement Peace Circle as a routine, in your classroom, then it's never going to get skipped over, you know, and I don't think Peace Circle is the only thing you should do by any means, but it's one method that kind of pulls all those pieces together. It builds community. It teaches kids social skills. It makes kids comfortable and safe. They like it. Um, so it kind of pulls all those things together in a 15 to 20 minute routine every day. And it's definitely adaptable. I mean, what I explained is my version of a peace circle. I follow, I like loosely follow the model that somebody else has researched. Um, but, you know, it can, I've also adapted it to meet my own needs within my classroom and to meet my kids' needs. So it's, it does not have to be like this strict order of events that I outlined. I mean, there is the standard outline of you do some kind of greeting, you do some kind of questioning, and you do some kind of closing. And I've kind of adapted to what I think works well in my room. But it's also, that's one of the things I do like about it is that it's flexible. I also think that sometimes 
we undersell too just how positive it is for you as a teacher. Like I find that having that beginning that centers me and allows me to view my students as individuals who I'm serving in the classroom versus the bell. And I've got all this content I need to shovel down their throats and I'm stressed, stressed, stressed. And so we kind of breathe in and out collectively and start the day Mm -hmm. in a a really positive community that is helpful to my own mental health. Yeah. And it also allows me to get to know the kids too. The kids are getting to know each other and I'm also getting to know them and they're getting to know me. And I think that's a really important part of teaching that we sometimes forget is that during Peace Circle, I'm on the floor with them in the circle, passing the talking piece, participating in all the activities. And I'm answering the questions with them, whether it's what do you want to be when you grow up or, you know, or we're talking about what what we think of respect, I'm also answering those questions. And I think that's an important relationship building piece that we sometimes as educators forget about or we get nervous about is like sharing some of ourselves with our kids. And I think that also helps put them at ease like, oh, right, she's a human. She's not some crazy robot who eats and sleeps in here every night. Yeah. And like... You know, like she's a human and she's interesting and, you know, I want to be around her, you know, so just like remembering that piece. And I think that's a a powerful part of Peace Circle is that, yes, you're facilitating still, you're still kind of acting in that teacher role as a facilitator, but it does bring you down to their level a little bit closer just in terms of like right now, like, yes, I'm facilitating, but I'm following all the rules of Peace Circle, just like you are. And, you know, like it just kind of equals out the playing field a little bit. And something that um, from a high school perspective, which I found can be really interesting, is that that gradual release model for older kids, they can then become the facilitators as well. Mm. And you're the participant. Yeah. Um, And... So that's that's something that I'm definitely thinking about in terms of like future years of peace circles. And I, and I have had kids run them when I'm not here, like Mm -hmm. with a sub, I'll say like, Oh, you know, handshakes have so-and-so explain to you what that means and start off the circle and like, Oh, shield of positivity, have this person lead that, like they can handle that, you know? So, um, I definitely have experimented with, with it a little bit. It's something that I definitely am like looking for in terms of, I think it could help with buy-in too, just with like having, having more leadership roles with the kids. And the questioning too, I find really interesting because it's turning the questions over to them. They come up with some really profound questions that are related to dynamics happening in the classroom that I'm Mm -hmm. unaware of. Yeah. And so sometimes I'll have kids like slip me a piece of paper and be like, I think this should be a question. Yeah. I did have kids. I haven't really had that happen this year. And this year has been a a very different year for me than last year. But last year I would have kids come to me with like, they would write me a note or they would just talk to me privately and say, can we talk about this during peace circle? And you're like, you really are thinking about these things. (laughs) Like I'm not just passive. Like, okay. Like, (laughs) Like you, you've gained something from this. Like if you're, if you're at the point where you, when you see something wrong, one of your reactions is to ask me if we can talk about it in peace circle, like, okay, we're in a good place then. Yeah. Um, so that's always a cool moment. Um, where are some of the areas you feel like you've seen the most success? If you feel like we've covered it, we can skip it. I guess the only, one thing I would add to that is that areas that I often feel most successful in are the areas 
I have personally sought the most help with. Day one of this year in particular to now, my math instruction has really changed and evolved a lot. And a lot of that is because I asked somebody to help me with math. I was like, it was kind of a weird situation where he wanted to videotape my peace circle actually to share with a group of newer teachers. And, you know, we had this conversation about it and I was like, yeah, you know, it'd be really nice to get feedback like this more often. And he was like, well, why don't we work together? And I was like, that'd be amazing. And we always try to teach our students to advocate for themselves that sometimes we forget to advocate for ourselves and what we need. And, but like those areas where I've been like, Hey, like, like, can you help me with this? can we work together on this? Um, Those are where I see the most success when it's not just my brain working, but I have multiple brains who are all experts in some, we're all education experts, but all have slightly different perspectives and experiences. Um, That's definitely where I've seen the most success in my classroom with my kids. And I think something that's really awesome about having a co-teacher in the room is also modeling for students that you are advocating for yourself. Um, and that you make mistakes and are not perfect. Yeah. And like I've, I had one of my really good conversations I've had with my students was after a co-teaching experience and I talked to them about how like I was really scared because this person really intimidated me because she was very mm-hmm. good at her job and I in many ways just did sort of like a speak aloud of my own emotional progression through the experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was humanizing, but hopefully modeling, but also just cathartic for me to be like, yeah, I, that (laughs) was really scary. I feel, I feel better now that I've talked about this. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I think I've got a pretty good sense of it, but if you could summarize your pedagogical perspective, So this is something that I'm working toward. I think cultural relevance is really important. Capitalizing on not just student interests, but student background knowledge, what they already know, their cultural knowledge, acknowledging that they all come from different cultures. Um, I have a very diverse classroom, you know, including their culture and their knowledge in curriculum. I also want kids to be collaborative with each other, which is why you see like workspaces in my room that are in groups, which is why the whole like rows doesn't really work for me. Like I want kids to be like, hey, can you help me with this one? (laughs) You know, or like, like I want them to be talking to each other about what they're doing. Um, And I want them to learn to talk to each other about what they're doing because that's a skill that. You know, there aren't very many jobs where you don't have to talk to people um, at some point. You know, there's definitely a spectrum, but like you got to be able to communicate with people. So I think it's important that we give kids practice with that in school. I also believe that social skills need to be explicitly taught in school. And especially because for a lot of kids, school looks very different than home looks. And we can't just expect kids to come in knowing what school is supposed to look like or what our classrooms are supposed to look like or how they're supposed to be in school. So I think that those skills need to be explicitly taught. Subjects should be integrated as much as possible. Um, so combining arts and sciences and reading and history and math and writing and music and all those things I think need to be 
combined as much as possible because that's how we confront things in the real world. I mean, outside of school, it's very rare that you're only doing one subject area. Usually when you come across something new, there's many different like areas of knowledge that you have to combine together to figure something out. So if we're giving that to them in the classroom, that would better prepare them for that in real life. I also think that just makes things more fun (laughs) whenever, when, you know, they're working on this big project that feels real to them. Um, And kind of with that integrated piece comes project-based learning. I mean, it's hard to teach kids about art, science, reading, writing, history, all that in one cohesive, you know, unit if you're not doing some kind of project that combines all those things. I think, you know, whether it's a curriculum or culture of the building, I think that probably combines, come together. But I think encouraging student leadership is really important too, both within the classroom, within the school, Um, academic and otherwise. I think teaching leadership skills and encouraging kids to be leaders is really important. My goal at the end of the day is that I want my kids to want to go to school. I want them to be excited to be here. And I don't think that I've achieved that at this point. I mean, I think some of my kids feel that way. And I think there are certain things that we do that they get excited about. I don't think that all day I've got that going. I think that's a, I think it's a big goal because even by fifth grade, their beliefs about school at this point are pretty ingrained and it's hard to undo that. What would you say is the worst part of your job and the best part of your job? I tell my kids almost every day, the worst part of teaching is not getting to go to the bathroom when you need to. (laughs) The best part of my job, when you start to see independence in kids, is really cool. When you see them, like, excited about what you're learning about. Like, today there was a really cool moment where I actually, we're reading um, out loud. We, We do, like, more fun read alouds at the end of the year and we're reading a series of unfortunate events um and we're reading the second book right now and you know we're at we were at this moment in the book and the kids were actually I actually saw like as I was asking questions I actually saw them turning and talking to each other and like but in a whole group setting still it wasn't like they were being rude and like whispering to their friends but they were actually like having a debate among them about what was happening in the book and what they thought was going to happen in their predictions and kind of bouncing ideas off each other and then modifying their own thinking. And, and I didn't even have, all I did was ask the first question and then this just like happened. And I was like, (laughs) wow, this is amazing. (laughs) So just moments where you see those things, like I've been looking for this all year, like (laughs) finally, um, yeah. And I mean, it's also just fun like if a lot of times like if if you if you let it be fun it can be fun so there you have it agent lauren Connaughton with an important mission of building community positivity and independent thinkers hope to see you next time on lesson impossible i was your host aviva levin